You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And it's uh, always a great, great time and a great time to do it. Uh, is I'm David Moxley. I'm CEO of America's Web Radio. And um, I'm delighted to say we're starting another new show. We just started... Um, Women's Wednesdays with uh, Taylor Bird and uh, on Wednesdays, and that's a fantastic show. She had a great guest on today, and we're starting a show we've never, for- or unfortunately, been able to do something like this before. But this show, I think, is going to set a lot of people back on their heels a little bit because. We're doing a show, I don't know if um, our guest will remember this or not, I'm, I'm a lot older than he is, but there used to be a show on television many years ago called I Led Three Lives, and it was the um, story of a undercover FBI agent, uh, Philip, and I can't think of his last name, whatever they called him on TV, but uh, it was a true story, but... Anyway, it was uh, very intriguing, and since then there have been a number of different television shows about spies, about this, about that, about um, FBI, CIA, you know, all of the uh, alphabet soup things in the world. But we have a gentleman on, and he's going to be doing a regular show for us called, we're going to be calling it Agent in Charge. And um, there's a reason for that, as uh, Sandy will explain in a few minutes. But this is going to be, I I think people will learn things that they had no idea about. We're going to clear some of the, uh, for lack of better words, fake news up and uh, straighten out some things along those lines. And um, part of the reason is that uh, Sandy was stationed in Moscow for quite a number of years in Russia, and so he got to work with some of the Russians, and uh, it's just going to be a very, very interesting show, and I'll give everybody five minutes to uh, get on their phone and call their neighbors and tell them you ought to listen to America's Web Radio because they got a really cool show that's about to begin called Agent in Charge. Sandy, welcome to America's Web Radio and the family thereof. Thank you, David. Really glad to be here. I, I hope I can live up to the uh, to your intro there. I'll do my best. Oh, I you know you. I think you were probably <laughs> one of the first agents in the country to have a, um, a watch telephone, just like Dick Tracy. <laughs> well, we actually have better things than that nowadays. But yeah, back in the day, it, that was uh, you know we we called those things uh, uh, bag phones. You remember when they first came out? We thought that was a big deal back in the nineteen nineties. Oh yeah, so I mean, yeah. So, but now, but we everything is much smaller and works a whole lot better. So, well, you know, uh, Sandy, it's a pleasure. And by the way, I want to explain to folks that uh, Sandy and I have a mutual friend. Uh, it happens to be that he was my roommate in college, and uh, Sandy um, has been a friend of uh, J. Roy's for years and years, and. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's great to have a friend like that, and it's great to uh, be able to meet you through J-Roy, and um, we've had some interesting conversations. And let me ask, um, Sandy, how did you 
or was this a lifelong thing or what inspired you to go into and i don't want to say law enforcement but into uh, the federal side of the law business well uh, i started out years ago my uh, of all things my uh, college degree is in journalism believe it or not and uh, my goal years ago was to uh first earn a living as a writer and then go on to become a world famous novelist and uh, unfortunately I found out after I'd written a couple novels and I will starve to death being a newspaper reporter I need to do something else that would pay the bills and uh, I could tell everybody they said well, what happened to your books and I said well I guess I lacked the one thing that's important to publish I said I probably talent <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway so so that was, so that was being a federal agent was kind of on the back burner uh, for years. And uh, believe it or not, who I really wanted to go to work for at first was uh, the Secret Service and or I wanted to become a, uh, a, uh, a federal game warden. I was pretty impressed with I had read about them and, you know, like you said, seen movies and stuff and had and new game wardens. And so, you know, so I uh, entered into law enforcement. I was actually kind of a latecomer. I uh, joined the U.S. Customs Service and it was about... 92 or 93, I'd have to go back and look at my resume, but uh, I was uh, in Eagle Pass, Texas there for about three years, and at the time, I, I was uh, became uh, disenchanted, as to say, because there, there was not a lot of funding to hire special agents at the time. That was my ultimate goal, was to uh, become a special agent with the custom service. I had done some more research and, and really liked what the custom service did. And they were very... They not they were not a uh, they were a large law enforcement agency but not a well known agency and so uh, I took the exam and had made a decent enough grade that I uh, you know was on the list but uh, had not been, gotten a call so I took off for about a little over a year and became a Texas game warden of all things and then uh, shortly into my game warden career I got a call from the U.S. Customs Service and was hired as a special agent and so uh, like I said my uh, my wife Paula and I we you know we look back at that as, as, as a, a true blessing because I mean you know if people don't realize this your special agents your tax dollars pay them pretty well and it's you don't get rich but you have to make a good living so uh, it was good for good all the way around and, and uh, led to a lot of different things in life that we would have never had access to or been able to do if I had stayed you know in state law enforcement or as a local a sports writer Special agent, uh, and you even have a song about you, right? Special uh, agent man. The special agent man was yeah. that uh, Johnny Rivers, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, not not everybody can yeah. say that. But yeah, anyways. I remember that. Your yeah, music is my other second. It's kind of my second passion in life. And so, I know a lot of old. I've been playing guitar and listening to music for since I was a little kid. And so, yeah, I know Johnny Rivers. He was one of my heroes as a kid. <laughs> okay, so what does quote-unquote special agent mean? A special agent, okay, now it all depends on the agency you're talking about. I was what is, they call special agents, and that's your official title, but you're, what, you're actually, what you actually do is, is when you start out, you're a criminal investigator. You're working federal-level criminal investigations. And so the special, you're really an agent, the special part, I don't even know where that came from. But, uh, but, you know, it's just, it's the name that, that like, FBI is kind of the same thing. They, they're special agents. DEA has special agents. Pretty much all the different agencies that, that it's what they call the 1811 series. I know it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but that is the kind of the detective level of the federal government law enforcement system. Hmm. So DEA, uh, Homeland Security, 
uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, uh, IRS, all of their special agents, all went through a real similar training program to become 1811 special agents. Interesting. So you became a special agent for? U.S. Customs Service. U.S. Customs Service. Yes, before, okay. prior to the formation of the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, okay. So then when that evolved after, uh, basically after 9-11, right? Correct. Yeah, that, it was about a year after, uh, it, was, it was about a year after the bombing around 2003. Uh, not bombing, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Boston. I've got my, my, my thoughts across there. But uh, before the terrorist attack on, on 9-11, uh, about a year later, they were, you know, that's when the... Uh, President Bush came in and uh, and consolidated the Immigration Service, the U.S. Customs Service. Uh, trying to think who else ended up with us there. Secret Service. Uh, we all ended up under the what was then what became the Department of Homeland Security. Huh. Okay. Uh, well, let, wait a second. Let me ask a question. I thought Secret Service was under the Treasury. They were. We were all. As a matter of fact, uh, U.S. Customs was under the Treasury. Secret Service was under the Treasury, and. Uh, and then uh, the Secret Service, U.S. Customs, and IRS. Those were the three. Those were the three uh, enforcement arms of the uh, Treasury Department. They took us all out, except for the IRS, still under Treasury. But they took us uh, in immigration. They took us. Uh, they took immigration from under uh, Department of Justice and they put us all under Department of Homeland Security. Hmm. Has that? Uh, how has that worked? Well, I said for years it was a train. It was a train wreck when it was initiated in two thousand three, and about ten years later, it was still a train wreck. Hmm. And uh, but through the years, you know, I mean, it's it's evolved, and become it's, it's it's a lot more streamlined now than it was. I think now, especially under this new administration, well, I say new. I mean, this is, the other Trump administration, it seems like it's new because there's so much has happened in such a short period of time. But uh, more or less, it looks like you know they kind of took the. Uh, Took the the leashes off of everybody. That, they're not really a good term, leash, but just, uh, they more or less let us start working again in uh, in our in our in our uh, specific investigations. And uh, pretty much, you know, can you know say that you know ICE, for example, you know they're a bigger, better, stronger agency now than ever, and uh, and they uh, do a great job. And uh, in this, you know, this just it has become a better. It has become better over time, and uh, but like I said, it's, it's such a huge department. I mean, most people don't realize how huge the Department of Homeland Security is. It not only does it uh, cover Homeland Security investigations, the Border Patrol, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, airport security. You know, that also has FEMA. Yeah, they uh, they have you know you have that you're seeing now with this uh, with the uh, the virus outbreak, the coronavirus. You're mm-hmm. seeing Homeland Security involved in. And uh, you know, trying to get a handle on that, so it's a huge agency. But they have a huge uh, compound in Washington D.C., and and so they, over time, it's getting better. You know, we are so large with our agencies, and yet the demand for investigation must be just absolutely incredible. And the I, I can't imagine the siphon that it has. You know, it's all dumped in, and then it siphons out and goes to this person or that person or this agency, that agency, whatever. It must be. Uh, it, I, I can't imagine how big a operation it must be. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it, unfortunately, the downside of that, and I use this as a good example, uh, 
and you know, we, and I'm sure in future shows we can go into this more, more detail. But you know, when I was a U.S. Customs agent, I started out in Baltimore. Ended up uh, spent the month, most of my time as a street agent in uh, on the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, transferred from Baltimore down to uh, Del Rio, Texas. And we used to work prior to the uh, formation of Homeland Security. We worked very well with the Border Patrol, and so I have a lot of good friends over there. And they had, uh, you know, and, and we worked constantly together. And we had a lot fewer agents. Both agencies did. I think when I was when I reported into Del Rio, I was agent number seven as a U.S. Customs Special Agent, and the Border Patrol maybe they had a hundred people, two hundred people at the most in in that sector. And so that's not a lot of people to cover that much of that territory, but we worked better together because we weren't competing for funding and we weren't competing for statistics. Once they formed Homeland Security, then all of a sudden that all, you know, then everybody was thrown together and they're all trying to, you're, you're competing for funding dollars to keep your, your particular department or operation going. So it caused problems in that regard, you know, and uh, I know that the, uh, the intention was good. But, you know, sometimes they do this. The bigger the machine, the more parts you have to break, you know. Oh, yeah, without a question. Um, so over the years, you feel like it's gotten gotten better. Do you see that it will continue that way over the – if it if they, you know, leave well enough alone? Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I've, I, politically, believe it or not, I'm kind of a middle-of-the-road guy. And people find that hard to believe because I can see arguments from both sides. And, and I try not to bring politics into uh, a lot of aspects of my life. But, but the reality is it really depends on who's sitting in the White House and what it, the administration does. I've actually seen lots of, you know, of my uh, superior agents, special agents in charge, retire when the, a new president would come into the office because it was such a pain to get them up to speed and have to revamp the agency and they just say, you know what, this is a good time to retire. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of trouble. And so a lot of times it depends on, on who the president is coming in and, and, and what, their, what their priorities are. I say under this current administration, I mean, we're really seeing a lot of, uh, you know, true enforcement going on under the Obama administration. Uh, we saw a lot of mutual effort going on, trying to engage other governments into working with us. And then during the Clinton administration, it was a little bit different because, you know, he wasn't really that, the, the Clinton administration wasn't really that deeply involved in what they did, but they were very good at supporting us financially because he was the last, whether you like it or not, whether you like the Clinton or not, I mean, he was the last president to balance the budget. And we knew where the money came from. We knew how much we were going to get. And uh, it just it really left each agency to do what they did best. And so each each administration, you know, changes the atmosphere under which we all work. Sure. Or uh, in my case, worked. <laughs> I retired. <laughs> past tense on that, huh? Yes. Um, well, how long were how long were you an agent? You know, my total government time was uh, federal government time was twenty three and a half years. And so about three and a half years of that, uh, I was a uh, uniform a U.S. Customs Inspector, and then I spent 20 years in investigations as a special agent. Well, thank you for your service. And, uh, you know, this is, this is something the station does, uh, whether it's uh, first responders, military, or just that. And I think, you, you know, what you were doing is – and we see ice only on the on the news as it goes by quickly on something terrible they've done, which in fact they're just doing their job. And uh, right, 
Yeah, you know this. They, is... they 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 do a lot of good. People don't realize that they they do get some bad press. It is it is unfortunate. Which uh, you know we we recognize all of them and appreciate your service and everybody's service. We're going to take a break right quick. We'll be back with Sandy right after a couple of messages. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the air with our special guest, our agent in charge, Sandy Bostick. And we appreciate Sandy joining the family of um, America's Web Radio. And he will be be doing the show every Monday or whatever day this is. Oh, Wednesday. Every Wednesday at 1 o'clock. And... uh, you know, when you get old, you, you know, you're sort of like uh, one of the candidates for president said um, uh, that it was Thursday instead of Tuesday. But anyway, we won't mention Biden's name. Um, wait, wait till you retire, David. It gets worse. I have to ask my wife all the time what day of the month it is, what day of the week it is, and she's always very polite. That's good. That's good. You lose time, you know. I think one of the interesting things, and obviously as time goes on and you do the shows, you're going to be going back on some of the things we're covering today. But you spent, well, you knew uh, President Trump before President Trump was President Trump. And that was because you were in Russia. As Were you a special agent in Russia as well? I was a special agent in Russia. I was the... the, uh, uh, what they call the attache. I was the Homeland Security Investigations attache, and I was what they also call a dual hat attache, and I was also the uh, attache for the Department of Homeland Security. So I ended up working not just with my home, my parent agency, which was Homeland Security Investigations. I was uh, also working with the Border Patrol. I was working with the Coast Guard, anybody from DHS who needed support uh, from the, the Russia and Central Asia, they would, they would go through me. Yeah, so, but this is just, just so I mean, uh, uh, just a, a correction. Biggest mistake I ever made in my career was not meeting President Trump when he was in Moscow, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But, uh, but I did, I was in contact with, with him and his people there quite extensively. And this was uh, when he was um, doing the 
Miss Universe pageant? Yes. Now, I think that was, was that 2013, if I remember right. Right. That's what, yeah. I believe it was, mm-hmm. oh, yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, that had to be, <laughs> I know guys that would give their arm to do that. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing, this is the way it all happened. I mean, I, it wasn't assigned to me, and I didn't really have, I mean, this was just something I just took on kind of out of the goodness of my heart for a a buddy of mine named Yariel Ramos, and I'm not sure if Yariel, he was also, he's also, or was, I'm not sure if he's retired yet, I, should, I need to get in contact with him, but uh, he also was a special agent with the same agency, Homeland Security Investigations, and uh, he had taken, he would take a uh, leave of absence and to go work security detail for Donald Trump in the, uh, in the uh, Miss Universe contest, and uh, Yariel is Puerto Rican, is very fluent, of course, in Spanish, and, and I met him, he, re- he actually ran our, uh, 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 confidential informants department up in Washington D.C. for a number of years, and that's how I got known. Well, because when I was a supervisor, especially on the border, we we ran worked with a lot of confidential informants, and this all has to be documented. So he and I got to be pretty good friends through the years, and and so he calls me uh, one day and he says, "Hey man," he said, "I haven't talked to you in a long time." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "How's Moscow?" I said, "It's great." And he said that. He said, "Well, he said I need a favor." He explained his 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 association with the uh, with the with the Miss Universe uh, pageant, and he said uh, he said and he said I, I need your help on some issues. I said, I said, "Well, I said when you get here, give me a give me a give me a call, and, and we'll sit down, and I'll try to help you out." He said, "Well, I'm already here." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I said, "Well, come on down to the embassy. My office is in the U.S. Embassy in Moscow." So Yariel comes to the office and sits down and tells me, "He says, hey, he said." Uh, Look, he said, I'm not trying to take advantage of our friendship, but I'm in a jam. He said, uh, he said, I had no idea that there was little to anything in English in, in the whole city. And he said, and there's nobody here that speaks English. And, uh, and I said, well, yeah. I said, I was kind of surprised about that, too. I said, a little bit of Russian I learned prior to, to arrival, it, was, it would help me out. But, you know, it's a difficult language, especially if, if you've grown up in, in English and, and the uh, the Latin-based languages. And so, so uh he said, man, he said, I just need some help because he don't know, we don't know where to go, what to do, and this just caused a problem. So I had, working for me, I had two uh, two Russian uh, retired colonels. They were re- retired from the uh, Russian Army, and we call them FSNs, Foreign Service Nationals. And uh, uh, Nikolai Leskevich and Sergei Kishkinsky, both great guys. I mean, they were some of the best employees I, I ever worked with. And I, I say, you know, they uh, they were, they were kind of like, they were like, um, Number one, they were interpreters. They were advisors, which is really the, the greatest function that they, they, they were to be. And then they went with me pretty much everywhere I went in Russia and uh, kept me out of trouble, you know. And, uh, but anyway, so it was, I had been working uh, on some assignments uh, down in Central Asia at the time. And I was back in, uh, I was back in uh, Moscow. And uh, I was like, I tell everybody, I said, you know, it's, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. You, you spend about a week or two on the road, then you spend a week or two back in the office writing about it. And that's the, the part you never see in the, uh, the the true crime movies or the stuff on television. And so, but anyway, so I was really busy. I told you already, I said, no, I'll be glad to help you out. So I signed uh, uh, Nick and uh, Sergey to him. And I said, you know, it was only like a couple blocks from Embassy. So I said, no, go down. Help these guys out and uh, translate, and uh, you know, if you need my assistance, give me a call. So, of course, they were more than happy to go help, and they did for for a week. They were there helping out uh, the president. Uh, well, that did Mr. Trump and, and his Miss Universe contest to go off smoothly. <laughs> wow! So, 
what was what's your overall or what was your overall impression of working with the Russians that you know the the Cold War quote unquote hatred between the two countries you know was just but I always felt like they were people like we are you know, and that's uh, that is it's one of those things. It's you know it, it, you see it in pretty much you know every aspect of, of not just uh, country to country, but you know in, in agencies, you know as well. I mean, James James Bond wasn't exactly accurate. Well, you know, it, it was tenuous. I mean, it's true. I mean, when you hear the stories about, especially on U.S. diplomats, where they have surveillance on you all the time. Uh, where they, uh, you know, try to interfere, uh, false information. That's true to a certain extent. And it all depends on, on, you know, number one, how you're acting while you're in country. If you're, if you're acting like, uh, you know what, I mean, I won't go into what the expletives, but, you know, they're gonna, they don't like that. And so, and then if you're acting suspicious all the time, of course, you know, they have to do their job and, uh, to make sure they're there to protect their country. And so you, and you can talk to, you know, my brother and my wife. Uh, my brother came to visit me, and I've got some funny stories on surveillance that happened. But, yeah, but for the first six months to a year, I mean, I was under surveillance a lot. And uh, and so and it's – but when you actually get down to when I would actually start – once I started making contact with the different Russian law enforcement agencies and started, you know, moving around the country and meeting these guys and putting out talking to them, I mean – they're just about like us. I mean, their priorities in life is in life are, are very similar. I mean, they want a good living for their family. They want uh, security. They want you know. They want health care. Uh, you know, they want to uh, make sure that that nobody invades them and destroys them. They're very they're very patriotic people, and uh, so you know they're uh, working at the at the level I did with the Russians in, in law enforcement it was great. I had a good time, and we actually accomplished a lot. And uh, but uh, like I said, it's it's always at the political top where the issues start, and so it, unfortunately it trickles down and it causes problems for for everyone in the end. You know, I, was it what you were expecting, or did you really have to um, flex and and make major changes? And I'm curious too. Did did you carry a weapon while you were there? I did not. Uh, we had weapons at, at, at uh, various locations. I, I was actually, you know, I worked under the, uh, my my boss was the uh, the regional attache in Vienna and uh, Austria. And in country there, I mean, if you wanted to carry a weapon, you could, and they trained. And, and uh, we worked a lot in Eastern Europe, and we would carry weapons there. And, but in Russia, there was really never any need because, you know, believe it or not, I mean, one of the... Uh, one of the upsides to having uh, the constant surveillance on us was, was when the, they called the Federal Protective Service, uh, it's the FSB, which is the new KGB. It's just a different name. I mean, you never had to really worry about it because those guys, if you've gotten too big of a jam, they come in and they, they've saved you because they didn't want the bad press the world finding out that they, they could protect diplomats in their country. <laughs> so, but not so much in, in the old, uh, old Eastern Europe where they didn't have the funding and didn't have the manpower to do so. And so... Uh, you know, people don't realize this. But one thing about Russia, it's one of the safest countries I ever worked in as far as street crime goes. I mean, you can walk down the street, and I did several times, you know, where we'd go out to dinner or go to a bar or something, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and you never had to worry about getting mugged or anything. And you can, and there's a, a reason behind that, and uh, that's one thing that uh, President Putin, uh, through the years, I mean, he insisted that, that the uh, police forces clean up the streets, you know, because they just don't, they don't like bad press over there. They get enough of it like it is. Hmm. And so, uh, 
but it was a very safe environment to work in as long as you weren't doing something that they felt that was uh, very contrary to their national security force. We're going to take uh, another break right quick, and we'll be back with Sandy. And I, I find this fascinating, and uh, we'll get into some more stories right after this. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family Sandy, on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars yeah, with Steve is. Ronaldo and Jim yeah, Webber I'm here. every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back on America's Web Radio with our special guest who's starting a show called Agent in Charge. And Agent in Charge happens to uh, be a friend of mine and a friend. We have a very close mutual friend. And uh, Sandy was in Russia for quite some time and worked the uh, Miss Universe pageant, which was Mr. Trump's. So let's go back to it and, and some of the interesting things that happened on uh, during that period of time, Sandy. All right. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you and I have discussed in the past, and uh, of course, you know, just you and I nearly know the story and a few other people. Um, Yariel Ramos, who I, I mentioned earlier, uh, on the first time he came to the office, he was by himself, and he sat down and, and told me the problems he was having with security for the uh, contestants and the uh, the support staff for the Miss Universe contest, and so I assigned the, both my uh, uh, Foreign Service National Advisors interpreters uh, slash 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 uh, to assist him for the, for the week, and uh, Sergey and, and Nikolai, and uh, so this that was good, and they went and they uh, it worked with the uh, the, the pageant uh, uh, folks, and then a couple days later. Uh, Yariel comes back to the office again. Of course, he always calls me for each show up, and he has several of the uh, uh, administrators from the Miss Universe contest with him, and I can't remember all the names. I'm sorry if, you, if, you're, if you are listening. I, I remember Tanya, and that's not the only name I remember out of the crew. But they asked two things. They said, uh, number one, they said when uh, Miss Universe is crowned, they, this is going to be on a Friday night, they said, uh, we need to get her a visa to be in New York on the next day. And I said, you know, it shouldn't be a problem. I'll coordinate with the uh, the uh, Deputy ambassador here at the time was lady real nicely by the name of Sheila Gwaltney, Gwaltney and was great working with. And uh, but so I said, that's no problem. I said, we'll, we'll be here Saturday morning and take care of that. And they said, well, is there anything that you, then they asked me as far as security issues, they said, uh, being you're the uh, agent assigned here, what are, like you said, like you'd ask me how dangerous it was, what are the danger issues, what's something we need to watch out for? 
what's going to cause problems for our uh, our pageant if we're not careful. And I told him, I said nothing. I said, I said, I said, I guarantee you, Russia. Uh, they have they're doing everything they can to make sure the Russian government that nothing bad happens to your pageant. I said, but here's the thing: I wouldn't be, I would caution you on. I said, uh, you know, because you know they are a, I would say a suspicious but very guarded society, which comes from all the years you know being there in the Soviet Union, and and that's a, a different topic as itself. But. Uh, I said, however, I said, if you'd like, I said, I will uh, try to get clearance for Mr. Trump to come to the embassy, and I'll take him up what we call a skip. It's a, uh, an area of the embassy that, that where no, uh, uh, where nothing gets in, nothing gets out as far as uh, transmissions, as far as people listening to you, radio waves. I mean, it's a closed area where you can talk in, in, in confidence. Now, let me, said, let me interrupt. The... Sandy, let me interrupt right, you there. Didn't we build a new embassy, and as it was almost complete they found that there was every bug in the world in it <laughs> yes that's true now, that was a while back that was uh I'm trying to think uh and I, I worked in that building yes i mean uh so we knew that uh from uh well i, I won't tell how many stories or how many floors are in the building i'm not allowed to say that and uh but from uh, one particular floor uh down i mean you it was not secure you had to uh, really be careful what you said and then once you we called it the hard line. Once you got them to the secure area, then you could you still didn't talk unless you were in a skiff, you know. So, uh, but yeah, thanks thanks to that thanks to that uh, that experience. But yes, I've seen the actual uh, the uh, transmitters that that they use, and they're, they're they're fascinating because you know if you don't think that the Russians are, are sharp on technology, you should see these things. This was back in the eighties, if I remember right. And uh, they actually, there's no battery circuitry with them. They actually charge themselves. We're off electricity of the degradation of the material around them. So as the concrete was degrading in the materials, the energy from that was what would charge these transmitters. And I think yeah. they would last 10 to 15 years, if I remember right. Hmm. And so amazing, you know. And so, uh, but, uh, but anyway, so I offered to the... Uh, the Miss Universe staff, uh, uh, I said, if you want Mr. Trump to come in, I said, I'll be glad to sit down with him and, uh, and go over what he needs to be careful of here, you know, because I said, there is going to be surveillance on him. I said, he's a public figure. And, of course, we didn't know at the time. I always speculate, we all speculate he'd run for president someday. And, but we did, nobody really knew for sure that if he was going to run this next, uh, the next election cycle or not. And so, but I said, I'll be glad to reach Mr. Trump on, on security issues here as far as him personally, if that's what he wants. And his staff just kind of laughed. They said, no, no, you gotta understand. He goes, Mr. Trump's a very intelligent man. They said, they said, he understands that, that he's going to be under surveillance all the time. Everything he does is going to be monitored. His room's going to be monitored. We know that. And so there's nothing he's going to do here ever. That's going to jeopardize his uh, relationship with his family at, at the Miss Universe contest. And so, and if I believe Rob, I'm pretty sure his wife was there in the country with him at the time. And so, when when I heard about the uh, the, the dossiers, they call it the events of the dossier, that was that was during this time allegedly. And I just laughed about it. I said because you know I thought if he did that, I mean it would be it would be the dumbest thing I've ever seen anyone do. And he's not that dumb. I, I could relatively. Sh- almost positively tell you that that issue never did happen while he was in Moscow, when he was in Russia, period. Fake news? Is that, uh, would you file that under fake news? 
<laughs> top of the list. Top of the list, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it had to be an experience um, uh, working with that. And then uh, you were there during the uh, Boston bombing. And what That's was correct, the, yeah. what were the outlying fingers of that? And where where was Russia? And you know, what are the details around, or the, what details you can tell around that? Well, we got to, you know, the, if I remember right, that happened on a Saturday. Of course, you know, we were, there's a, a, I believe it's a nine or ten hour difference between Boston and, uh, and Moscow. And so at the time I had a, a really good agent working for me, a guy by the name of Nate Buscelli. And he was a, uh, he, he was and is still a, a, a computer forensics genius. He's really a sharp guy. And, uh, but so anyway, I called him. And I said, uh, we got the call from our headquarters. And about well, we were asleep, I believe, when this happened. So we scrambled to the office and said, "Hey, we need everything we can get on these two brothers, uh, or you know, that that you can find." They said, like, "We think that we've identified them, but we need to start running the names." So they gave us the names. They were actually the correct names. These are Nyack brothers, and uh, we started tracking. Uh, people don't realize this about Homeland Security. I mean, they have Homeland Security has the broadest, uh, most. Uh, well, there's the most data. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for adjectives here to describe it because there's really nothing that is adequate. It's the hugest computer database system in the world. And uh, and, because, and there's records there that go back until, I believe it was called TEXT, the Treasury Enforcement Computer System, when I first came on. And they've changed the name of it right before I retired in, in 2018. And, uh, but... Anyway, so, you know, it was not an easy system to work. It was DOS-based, and it was not easy. You had to have experience, and that's one of the things that we start training our agents early is how to pull information out of this. And we had we had people not only from from other law enforcement agencies within the federal government and local, I mean, also from uh, different uh, agencies around the world would contact us to try to track it down. So we started tracking down uh, the Zarnaya brothers' uh, travel. Uh, in and out of uh, in and out of uh, we call the Caucasus, Chechnya area of Russia, and uh, worked with the FBI, the FSB. You know they were concerned too. They have a huge terrorist problem in Russia as well, terrorism problem. And uh, we started working in conjunction with these guys, tracking them down, seeing who they were, where they were from. You know, where, where should we look to see where they were trained? And, and we put all that together, and uh, it was a pretty good effort, uh, a team effort. Is People are, you know, they don't, behind the scenes, there was a lot of work going on that answered the questions really quick. Okay, are the Russian problems Muslim related? You know, uh, it, it is, yeah. It's a, uh, it is very similar to the, the same issue that we have with the Islamic terrorists in the, uh, the Caucasus, as we call them, uh, the southern, I guess you'd call it south southern, uh, southern, southern central Russia. Uh, you know, as you get into you know, bordering the uh, the stand, Central Asia, uh, they uh, there's a you know they want to be independent. They want to have their own country. They they don't like being under under Russia. They didn't like being under the Soviet Union, and so there it's a constant battle for them for as their independence. And uh, the first year, and you never there are a lot of things you don't you never hear about Russia because they're they're better at keeping uh, you know information that's to their benefit secret than we are. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's sometimes information that gets out there it does more damage than it ever, you know, that it will ever, you know, help. 
And uh, but they had, I believe, in the first year I was there, they had the FSB, and they're the uh, they're the uh, agency uh, tasked with uh, fighting terrorism in Russia. Lost 135 agents in, wow. in combat related incidents, and so uh, in other words, when they were down there taking down cells, I mean, they were losing guys left and right. And I actually, I've actually seen the list of names in their their office there in Moscow. And it's, it's really, you know, you don't realize how big the problem is until you actually see that with the names there. And the faces and the pictures, and uh, so yes, I mean, I, you might even say their terrorist problem may be worse than ours. Well, you know, I would uh, be negligent to myself actually if I didn't ask, and uh, hopefully there might be a couple of listeners as old as I am that would still be interested. But was anything ever said, or did you get to go to the museum while you were there, or anything else about the Kennedy assassination and the Lee Harvey Oswald relationship to Russia? I never, I never saw that. I mean, I was never invited to that. But uh, you know, uh, there's because there's lots of uh, aspects of this story, but. You know, over time, the the, uh, the FSB. I was one of the few agents in the country that they uh, they trusted, and I and I wasn't undercover in Russia. I mean, I was working as a uh, as uh, who I was. I was the attaché for the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, I learned when working with those guys, you know, early on that if you want and if if you want to get anything done in Russia with these different law enforcement agencies, you have to go ask them first because you know they're they're tasked with uh, with the overall security of the country. And so, uh, so at least once a month, I would. Uh, I had different people there. I won't use their names. I don't want to cause problems for them today. But they were their their version of a liaison officer that I would meet with at least once a month. And I would discuss with them where I was going, what I was going to be doing, and what I wanted to do, and the requests that I'd have for agents in our country for information from the Russians. And you know, they, and it was it was kind of a, a situation where it's just okay. You either tell me yes or no, and no questions asked. And they respected that. So. Over the three years I worked with them, we did a lot of you know, pretty good cases together. I mean, uh, pretty high level stuff that were that were true uh, true liaison American Russian uh, investigations and cases. And uh, so, towards the end of my tour, when I was getting ready to come home, they actually invited me to go to Lubyanka, which is the old KGB headquarters. And I did get a tour of that facility. Huh. <laughs> it was it was, and I'm one of the few people in the embassy that ever got to do it. As a matter of fact, the uh, the uh, the uh, the central, the uh, chief of post for the for the CIA. Uh, before I left, him and I were laughing. He said, "You know, he said you got to see a lot more Russia than I ever did." And he said, "I can't believe you got to go down and see Lubyanka." He said, "They'll never take me down there." And if you, for those not if you're not familiar with Lubyanka, it's downtown. It's, it's close to the Kremlin, and uh, and of course, I was only taken to see the historical parts of there. I didn't get to see anything that would be classified from there. In. And uh, just it was kind of a museum. And uh, but it, it's a huge facility that's all underground and bombproof, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he told me, he said, you know, he said, I'll, in my wildest dreams, I'll never get a chance to go do that. There you are. They took you down there and showed you everything. So yeah, but it was. Uh, I didn't. Uh, the, as far as the, the, the assassination, I don't remember that part of it. But I was. But yeah, but it was a very interesting experience. What kind of? How would you classify? While you were there, and what you know today, our relationship with Russia, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we hear one side of the story sometimes, and we hear the other side of the story sometimes, but I'm not sure as uh, non-knowledgeable 
U.S. citizen, I have any clue what our relationship is. And can we well, work together? Here's the thing about Russia. In our the relationship between the the two biggest kids on the block, okay, the, the, the three biggest kids on the block are China, Russia, and the United States, and and uh, and like say like like the whole story goes, at some point they're going to come to a, a point they're going to fight, and so of course we don't want that because the uh, the Russians want nuclear war. They, that's the last thing they want for the first time since the, you know, the, since the Soviet Union fell. You know they have cars now. They're they're making a, a good living. They they have nice houses. I mean, before now, I was not in uh, Russia during the Soviet Union, and uh, but you know the the streets there are huge. People see them. They, 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 you first see the streets of Moscow, you're amazed at how big they are. And I was as it was told to me by the Russians, they said that you know the reason I asked them why are the streets here so huge, and they said well because they were designed to be able to move military uh, equipment, you know, weapons at, at a moment's notice, and uh, so you know the relationship definitely needs to be improved. I think it's probably more, you know, I don't know how much of this is restricted at the media level without having been working, I've been retired for almost two years now and, uh, but uh, the uh, the situation needs to be improved. I know that there's that this uh, President Trump has probably been tougher on the, I know, I know he's been tougher on the Russians than the, uh, the Obama administration ever was and uh, and so, but at the same time the Russians respect strength. Okay, they really they they respect dealing with someone who's who's their equal, and, and they're not going to you know whenever we would meet with someone, whenever I would meet with an official, you know they'd always make sure they had someone at my level. They would never send somebody in there that was under my level because to them that's a that's very dis- disrespectful, and so they respect the Trump administration, and uh, but at the same time they can't back down. You know, for obvious reasons, from the Trump administration. So, you know, and the way you get around that is to start collectively working together. I used to do a lot of training at the request of the Russians. I would, uh, we would do uh, uh, internet child pornography investigations training with them. Uh, we would do uh, drug investigations. I would work with DEA on uh, doing trainings with uh, the Russian F- uh, SVR. No, I'm sorry, that's not the that's, that's the. Uh, FS, FSK, FSKN. That's their equivalent of the, uh, the their DEA. And uh, I would do trainings with them, and I would tell them, I say, you know, I said, you know, here's the deal, guys. I said, we, I know this is at our level, nobody's got a way to listen to us, but we really need to find a way that we can start working together because I said, our biggest problem, the biggest threat is your neighbor to the south, which is China. And I said, if we could ever get our two countries to ever start working together, and, and come to a mutual understanding. It, you know, I said then we would that would secure world peace for however long that treaty would last. Because you know, you, you, the one thing about the, the the one big tough kid, you know, the Chinese. I mean, they're not going to go up against two two the, the other two big kids together. I mean, that's just common sense. And so, and, and we all agreed on that. So, but the uh, you know, there's a distrust for Americans there until they get to know you. Uh, once they get to know you, like I say, some of the people I know there are still some of my best friends. And so uh, there are people just like us. They put their shoes on and clothes on. And they, you know, unfortunately, they have to go to, usually go to work in a lot colder weather than we do. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, they commute and they uh, they have the same problem we have, you know. And so and there's nothing they would love more than to be able to have some freedom, you know, to travel back and forth between the United States and, and uh, their home country. 
you know, just to see what America's like. And, and, and for us, in the end, I mean, if we ever did get to the point where we could, could you know, really coexist together as a uh, cooperating nations, I mean, it'd be great for our economy. I mean, you know, there's there, there's a lot of untapped potential there in, in Russia that, uh, that, that you know, that until you see what a vast country it is, you'll never understand. Yeah, if if we could sell our uh, some of our minerals and not give away our uh, uranium like one lady did, uh, <laughs> I still can't believe that. I just, you know, I just, some people still are walking around on the streets and just amazing things. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I one thing I want to uh, really stress, and uh, we've got a few minutes left, but is the fact that uh, Sandy's going to be doing this every week. And um, Wednesdays at 1 o'clock. And I want to publicly thank Sandy for agreeing to do it and thank him for his service and, you know, what it takes to do something like this. I, 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 I know I haven't got the uh, intestinal fortitude to go up against an anthill. Were you ever scared at any situation of, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Of course. I mean, that, that's just human nature. We all get scared. But as time goes, you get smarter and you learn how to, uh, as you get older and more mature, I mean, the young people don't don't really believe us until they get to where we are. But you do learn how to work your way out of a, a potentially bad situation nonviolently. I mean, it can be done. And so, and that's really what it takes, you know, to, uh, to, to have an, you work in a position like this, whether it be the FBI or Homeland Security, uh, DEA, I mean, it's just, you just got to be smart. And that's why I used to always tell my agents I was a supervisor for half of my career and, uh, and the street agent for the, for the first half, of course. And I used to tell my agents, I said, hey, you know, I said, I'm not going to tell you how to work your cases. We paid you to be thinkers. You know, we trained you to think. And so, uh, yeah, so, uh, afraid, of course. But it's kind of like that old saying, you know, there's no such thing as a, uh, an atheist in a foxhole. That's right. And, uh, and, and I used to, you know, and I, I would do agents who claimed to be atheists until the first time they came under fire. And then mostly on the southwest border. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they're not atheists anymore. The first person they call out to is, hey, God, please save me. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah, so we all get scared. As I say, you just but but but, you, but you're trained. But the training was it was exceptional, uh, and it went on. It, it didn't end when you left the academy. You you did you know advanced training all through your career, refresher training, and so you were prepared. I mean, you didn't you weren't going anywhere that you weren't prepared to go. Wow. And so, but but you knew the risk going in. I, I think so. Probably the people who may have suffered the most in my career. Is, and not that, you know, to a great extent, it was my family because, you know, we moved a lot and uh, a lot of times they didn't know where I was or what I was doing. And, and so, and it's the same for all the agencies. I mean, this, the, just like a military family, I mean, the, the, the special agent world, the families have to, you know, they, uh, there's a high divorce rate and uh, those that hang in there is great. But, you know, there's a lot of stress on, on the family life as well. Well, let me, let me ask, Sandy, uh, being prepared and, and being trained and all of this, does that mean that uh, before you left for Russia, they gave you an extra roll of toilet paper? <laughs> well, I had a, uh, I lived on a, uh, I actually lived on the embassy compound. And, uh, and I had heard stories about that. I said, don't go anywhere in the world, you know, that, don't go anywhere in the world that you don't have your own toilet paper. I'd heard that, but I, I actually lived on the compound. It's very similar to a, uh, a military installation. We had a, uh, PX, you know, and, and uh, we had a bar there and then, uh, a gym. And so it wasn't like, you know, it, 
my, my wife used to call it, Paula well, we used to call it that. It was like an oasis in the middle of a of a uh, crazy desert. Every time we'd step into walls, you know, just right downtown, is you could actually you, know, you could almost see the Kremlin from, from the embassy. And uh, but uh, no, but it was uh, it was not uh, my was, diplomats don't live in squalor conditions. I mean, State Department sees that. I mean, everybody had a nice place to live. Yeah, you know, we had our most of the, the the supplies I needed as far as groceries and and uh, toilet paper or whatever came from Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, my son knows that place well. as That's where he is. I'm sure, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what do you, just briefly, because we're about out of time, but where do you see us going today? Better, worse, you know, that's more understanding. What, what happens in uh, the next election, you know? And uh, what, how many, what they said last night is 235 days. I have done the count. But, you know, it's, it's going to depend on who that person is that's sitting in the Oval Office, you know? And, and uh, at this point, I mean, I still, I mean, I see a lot of positives with this administration it's as far as really getting things done and improving the economy and, and uh, beefing up uh, the federal agencies and, and working with the Border Patrol. I mean, we're seeing a, uh, a uh, internal security that we haven't had in a long time. And uh, I, my last two years, I was the, uh, the special agent in charge in El Paso for our internal affairs division, and, uh, and I had not been in El Paso for years. And they, as you've heard, I mean, El Paso has the best wall, best border wall in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and there's virtually the level of crime there is unbelievable how low it is. It's one of the 10 safest cities in America. And when I was living there. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, as far as where it's going, uh, if, if this administration gets four more years, as far as what the agents, what the federal law enforcement, what your intelligence agencies can do, It'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be good. They'll they'll come out of it at the end of eight years, bigger, better, stronger than ever before, and probably a lot, hopefully, a lot more fairer, fairer in the way they deal with the public. You know. Well, we uh, we support the current administration and uh, uh, hope that others will see the value of. Uh, you you hit it on the head earlier. The Russians and many and I think the every other country in the world respects strength. As long as you don't abuse right. that strength, you know. Um, and right. I don't. I think uh, Trump has been very. Uh, I don't want to use the word eloquent, but uh, has been very tactful in the way he says. And don't forget, guys, we have more than you do. And uh, right, you know that. Yeah, to the benefit of the Obama, the Obama administration. I mean, I'm, you know, as far as my operations in country with, I mean. And where I worked, I mean, they were very supportive. There, I mean, we can talk about this at a later time. But you know, they uh, they looked everything over real well. Every time I'd send a request, uh, you know, it would come from the uh, the White House Security Council, and and uh, they were very supportive. They were very uh, covert. Okay, they were. I know that the, the President Obama, his uh, his uh, philosophy was to try to get along and, and try to find mutual ground. And, but at the same time, he understood the the, uh, the uh, necessity of what we were doing, and so you know, even once you explain to him what the operation was and why we were going to do it, the request or however the information came in or the request came in, I mean, I never they never shut me down on a single operation. So he was not anti uh, law enforcement, anti intelligence. I mean, he just he was a lot more quiet about it, you know. 
Well, you know, it's uh, what's the old saying? Different strokes for different folks. And uh, I, you know, this is the the thing that we get into with uh, from a military standpoint. Uh, we. With our, I would have been fired in Lubbock, Texas, when I worked out there. That if if I had ever offered an opinion like we get today, we don't get news; we get opinions. But then again, right? We don't uh, we don't live in, or we didn't live in near as complicated as a world as we do today. And I'm not sure, for the most part, we say uh, you know we're an open society and transparency and all this kind of crap. Uh, I'm sorry, but most people don't know where the bathroom door is, and if we told them everything that was going on, we'd have a real mess on our hands, and they couldn't handle it. Right, right, right. And so I respect, so, uh, I respect the secrecy, and and I respect that uh, you know there'll be times that uh, I may ask something that you can't answer, and we certainly respect that. And uh, I oh, gotta ask one last thing. When they sure. when they told you the the last tree on the left and that's where you could pick up the tape, did you take that assignment and then after you played the tape it would self destruct? <laughs> well, by the time I got to Washington, to, uh, to Russia and Central Asia, we didn't have uh, we didn't use tape anymore. It was all digital. Ah. And and what about what about the dome of secrecy and and did you really have a shoe that had a telephone in it? I know you had the bag, but did you have the shoe? No, but I uh, I knew how to plant. Uh, we call them transmitters in places that you didn't need a shoot. I mean, you could, we had different <laughs> transmitters that you could uh, you would, would broadcast. I, mean, I, I can't give you the information on how far they would send what your conversations you're having. But yeah, but when, when, and, and like I say it's not just our country. I mean, everybody. I mean, all the major powers have the same technology pretty much now. We're of course we're leading. We always lead in technology without a doubt. Yeah, but no, it's uh, the the stuff that's out there. It, it's pretty amazing. We, it really we, is. we lead with technology, and, all I, and, all and I can tell you too. Oh, sorry, go ahead. We lead with technology, and uh, China tries to copy it. Right, and the only way I can tell you that ever get to uh, be able to see this stuff and actually deal with it is you know, go join the DEA or the Homeland Security or the FBI and. They'll teach you how everything works. <laughs> Sandy, <laughs> this, is, this has been fantastic, and I look forward to the weeks ahead and talking to you and discussing more and more about what you've done. And uh, you're so unique, and uh, thank you again for your service. You're listening to America's Web Radio, the special, special agent in charge, and we'll be back next week with more of Randy's Tales of... Leaping from high buildings at a single single bound. <laughs> we'll be back. Thank I'll try you, to come up with some. Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Thank you, David. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.